0: John Lim here we're moving forward with episode 381 continuing our writer series I've got a good friend of mine Megan Prioko Uh, she's been on the podcast before and I'm really excited to talk to her about her book she's got a fantastic book uh, of poetry and in fact Megan I think you're the only author that I have on this series that's specifically going to talk about poetry so really excited to have you on the show how are you today?
1: i'm great john thank you so much for hosting me and i'm happy to be here and talk to you about all things poetry which you know i love but it's great to to be here with you
0: well i want to give a little background you and i have known each other Hard to believe now, for over a decade. We went to business <laughs> together along with your husband, uh, who I'm also friends with. and uh, and I just remember when we were in business school, you know we we had the fortune of working together on several projects, which involved a lot of writing. and that's really where I got to know not only you as a, as a very uh, you know driven, ambitious, intelligent person, but also as a very prolific writer. What I didn't know at the time and didn't know until much later, Was that you have a passion for poetry which is something that uh, I'm really excited to share with with our listeners today so Megan uh, tell us a little bit about you what you do and where you're located
1: sure so I'm located in Maryland Gaithersburg Maryland area and I have had a career in software development specifically in the operations part of software development helping uh, customers with their implementations and uh, running the business side of things and currently I work for Wiley um, publishing and am part of that the partner solutions group there which has been a really interesting um, transition for me and um, recently became the director of innovation for partner solutions so that's oh, wow. congratulations um, my current position and so I'm yeah. And um, I, I like innovation. I think of poetry as being a very innovative medium. So it, it, although they seem completely unrelated in my head, they very much go together. So that's a little bit about me.
0: Well, uh, tell us a little bit about your book. What is the name of your book and um, uh, what it's about?
1: Sure. So I have it right here.
0: Yes. For our it's video movie. watchers.
1: For our video watchers um it's it's titled leap um it came out in 2019 actually november 2019 and it is a collection of poetry that came from over 15 years of writing so some of the poems were written when i was a teenager and some of them were written you know days before publication um and it is broken up into a few different parts i guess you could call them chapters i don't really know what the official term for poetry books are but they have chapters and the theory behind this was that I was really trying to break apart the and organize the poetry, not chronologically, but by um, how the moments and how the feeling of the poems in time. So I used the physics behind a leap as the um, milestones or or chapter titles. So starting place, momentum, friction, force, flying, and then landing. So really the trajectory of a leap in terms of how it would be described by a physics person. And um, that's how the the poems are arranged.
0: That's fantastic. And in fact, uh, I mean, one of the things that, and I've read the book, I absolutely love it. This was built off of um, poetry that you've written throughout your life. So I I wanna ask, and, and, you and I kind of have this inside joke, I always imagine you have this trunk filled with poetry that you've been writing your entire life. Where did you have these poems, uh, stored since you mentioned some of them come from as, you know, long ago as from when you were a teenager?
1: Not a far off image. (laughs) So since I was probably in middle school, I've been keeping journals of all different types and, and not really like the dear diary type, but, really sort of crazy just thoughts that I would put down or collages that I would keep in these journals and then also a poetry I would write and then around high school when I got a laptop for the first time um, I started to actually type out the poetry and I also had one of the original Open Diary members if you're out there uh, you know what that yeah, is I remember that. and so I would actually post a lot of Poetry on that and and had a following. And this was all way before, you know, Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. So I guess it's that was like the easier. my,
0: it's kind of like the MySpace era, right? Was that? Yeah,
1: a- it's a way dorkier. And so I had, you know, followers and people that I didn't know who would come and write comments about my poems. So when I went to create Leap, I really had to do a lot of cleaning and organizing. I had to go to all these. Dis- disparate places and, and pull poems down. And I had different versions of poems in different places. So I'd have like the original scratch out in a journal. And then I would have another typed up on a Word document. And then I'd have another on this online diary. And, ha- and then having to like consolidate and edit and decide what would be the ultimate published version was sort of a fun exercise. Um, so that, that was a lot of the process. The other part of the process was just I would have half written poems that were never really finished. And so I would take the time to get that done um, during this process. So you were the the one who actually, I think I, at the time I was debating between writing multiple books and you were like, wait, but don't you already have all the poetry for this one? Like, couldn't you just get that out the door faster? And I was like, you know, John, you're right. (laughs) So that's why I ended up doing that um, because it actually was easier because I did have the raw materials. It was just more about cleaning and organizing them than it was about actually writing. Well, let
0: me ask you this, since it sounds like poetry has been a big part of your life throughout, when did, do you, what's your earliest memory of uh, falling in love with poetry and writing your first poem?
1: Oh, my gosh, this is going to get nerdier and nerdier. Um, I was in first grade when I wrote my first poem, and I wrote a couple different poems, and mm-hmm. the my teacher, my first grade teacher, was pretty impressed so she had told the principal and so they had me read some of my poems over the intercom as like a first grader oh wow and I was n- not aware enough of what was happening because I didn't realize that speaking into the like microphone meant that everybody in the school was hearing what I was saying I was just like they were like read this into the microphone and I was like cool I'll do that but Later, I think it dawned on me like, oh, actually everybody in the school has now heard what you wrote. And so it was sort of mortifying and embarrassing, but also really cool at the same time. So
0: that was my Kind of like, it's better that you didn't know beforehand, I
1: think. That <laughs> was my first attempt at slam poetry, I guess. or spoken word poetry. Yeah, yeah, actually, that's, that that's well. great. That. There's no recordings of that. But yeah, so I was, I would have been like seven, I guess, when, when I first started writing poetry. And then, you know, I just kept doing it throughout, my life and especially in high school we had a literary magazine which I was a part of I was the poetry editor for and we would have all sorts of students submit poems and we would workshop them and go about that whole process and that really built up my confidence in poetry and then When I went to University of Maryland, I double majored in philosophy and English and my English specialization was creative writing. So I took a lot more poetry courses than were necessary and Mm -hmm. specifically um, creative writing poetry. So in addition to reading all of the poets of old, I um, was spending a lot of time actually writing poetry and working in workshops, which I enjoyed a lot.
0: So one of the things that I think makes your journey unique is that you were already publishing in a form, your poetry first uh, through a loudspeaker in first grade, and then later on online. Um, So uh, did it ever occur to you to compile these into a book and publish them as a book?
1: You know, no, and this is where I think the English department's maybe different now, but in my experience, we weren't really taught how to leverage something like a creative writing degree to any kind of job or financial, you know, backing. It was really very much like, oh, we'll all sit here and and debate this poem. No one ever said, okay, this is how you get published, or this is how you end up with a book deal. And becoming a poet is laughably one of the jobs that everyone, you know, knows is not a very profitable job. But, um, you know, no one ever really explained the process to me but I knew it was pretty complicated I knew it wasn't very financially viable, which is why I did not expect that to be a career um, but what I. The reason why I went ahead and just published is because, when I started to look at the process I was really daunted by it so to be a published author, especially a poet, typically you write poetry, you submit it to all these different uh, publications that are out there, poetry publications, and they really expect you to build up what they call a writer's resume. So to have your poems published in multiple different places and have a following and have this group of people who know you or understand you or buys um the the magazines or the publications and participates in those circles and you know you're probably participating in ongoing workshops with lots of other writers and I was in you know software and corporate world so I was really not doing any of that I had not no I left college and I spent the next 10 years not doing any of that and so it for me it was this realization of, okay, I could either start doing that now or I could self-publish. And so self-publishing just seemed like the most straightforward approach. Um, I had you know over a hundred pages worth of poetry, which is a pretty sizable poetry book. Poetry books don't have to be massive. And so um, rather than trying to float every individual poem out there to the world to see if someone would pick it up, this made a lot more sense especially because my goal was not to become wealthy or famous or anything of the sort. It was really just to be able to do right by the writing and to put it out there in the world and see if it resonated with people. And, um, you know, even if it's in a small way and I think it has. So cool. Oh, it, absolutely.
0: absolutely. And and I, I'm curious to know because your career path uh, took a very different journey from what you studied in college. Did you keep up with the poetry throughout as you were getting immersed into operations? And also, you've held a sea level position. You've had a very robust career. Is poetry something that you've always kept with you, or is it something that you revisited more in recent years?
1: I think I always kept it with me. It was sort of a, a tool that I've used throughout, especially if, if I'm in a very emotional situation or just a, a very striking situation, I will leverage it. I, I mean, I've written poems on the plane ride home from a conference or a business meeting and things like that. I've written poems about business meetings and it, I, I definitely think it's just for me, it's just another tool and something I carried with me. I, I wouldn't say I was very disciplined about writing every day. I do write in a journal every day, but I don't write poetry or attempt to write poetry on a regular basis, which is something I would love to have the time to do more of and to dedicate to, but Um, it's definitely something that this is sort of carried with me as a something I can pull out whenever I need to
0: yeah absolutely and and as someone who doesn't read a lot of poetry one of the things I actually loved about your volume was that you were writing about uh, experiences that I could relate to like those business meetings or sitting in a in a in a uh, a waiting room or a conference room. And those are things I never really envisioned you could write a poem on, but it, it makes sense when you think about it. It's just a form of expression that uh, relates to any life experience you're having. So that's one of the things that I really uh, loved about your volume. So let's talk about the, the actual process. And one of the things that you talked about that I thought was really interesting is that you went back, talk about the process of going back looking at some of the work that you've done over the years did you have to look at like multiple places did you have stuff in random you know hidden spots throughout your house what was that like and and how did you choose which poems to put into this first book
1: that's a great question so i i think i wrote a blog a long time ago about how to like marie kondo your poetry collection into a Mm -hmm. book and you know, that's a, that's really essentially what I did. I'm an operations person. I'm very organized, but mm-hmm. for whatever reason, maybe because it was never my primary focus, I was not organized about keeping up with where my poems were or, you know, keeping track of them. And so it really was one of those times where you just pull everything out. Pulled, I pulled out every notebook I could find. Pulled out every file I could find and was going through each page one by one and marking anything that had any resemblance of a poem. And then, you know, going online and then starting to like match up the different versions and um, editing them. And so, you know, some things didn't make the cut. And a lot of times, you know, I look back at the poetry I wrote when I was a teenager. And sometimes I think I was probably the best poet I've ever been at that time. When you're a teenager, like things are so powerful and strong and you're exploring the world and your emotions are really deep. And so there was a lot of poetry from there that was just amazing, but there was a lot of things from there that I was just like, that's a little too childish or that's not fully baked. And I'm not in a position now in my life where I felt like I could bake it more. So I, you know, those were things that were left and are just in the journal that I don't think will ever turn into poems, but that, you know, are just, in journals. Um, But, you know, other things really came out and they were already fully formed and didn't need much editing. And I was just like, okay, this is great. And then there were some things that came from all the workshops I did in college. So these were poems that had already gone through multiple rounds of peer editing and peer criticism and, and professor criticism and, and I had gotten them into a final stage for those classes. So those were easier to include because I know they had been vetted and, um, you know, they had already met some kind of litmus test, but the last bit were all the ones that I just wrote recently. So post-college all the way up to publishing the book. And, you know, some of those were more near and dear to my heart because they were more real experiences, things I had just experienced like in in the past year. And so it was harder to put that out in the world and, Um, you know, when you write poetry, you're exposing a good bit of yourself and you're exposing a good bit of how you feel about things. And so putting that out into the world, letting other people see it is a bit scary. And so those are probably the hardest ones to keep in because I was just afraid. um, That was actually
0: going to be my next question because... Poetry, I mean, just, it just seems like a very intimate form of writing. And yeah. um, a couple things. I, number one, it's interesting for me to hear that it was the more recent poetry you've written that maybe you were a little bit more uh, hesitant or gun-shy about rather than stuff you wrote long ago. I, I think that's an interesting, uh, you know, aspect that you're bringing up. Was there something about the earlier poetry that you you felt like you know what, I'm not as shy about sharing this as opposed to what I've written more recently. I'm, I'm curious as to, to why that might be.
1: I think, I mean, there's a couple things. So one of them is like, you can always say, well, I wrote that when I was 15. What was <laughs> I doing? What, what did I know about A little bit poem? removed yeah. from
0: where you are today, I guess. Right,
1: so, but then the other thing about it is that I wrote that when I was 15 and I still like it today. So it's yeah. like, I've read that poem several times and it still makes me feel something or it still makes my husband feel something or it makes my friend who read these poems feel something. So if if that's the case, then, you know, it's still worth it, it going in. And so I, I act that's why I felt more sure of it because it had those poems that were written so many years ago had probably been seen by more people. And same thing with the college poems, right? They've been seen by a lot of people. The newer poetry was really not read by anybody other than myself. And so you're really just operating in a vacuum, which is never a good thing to do. But at the same time, I didn't have, and I still don't necessarily have a great circle of writers around me to, to offer that sort of criticism back. And, you know, obviously with poetry, there are, there's a slim amount of people out in the world who really dig poetry. And so it's, it's not easy to just send that out to everybody and, and have someone be able to give you true criticism. You know, they may read it and be like, I don't understand it, but it sounds good, you know, and that's really all you get back. And so It is hard to find um, good criticism, and it's important to get good criticism for poetry because it can be so hard for people to relate to.
0: No, absolutely, but I do find it interesting that uh, you had feedback on your earlier works. Did you run, even even if you don't have a formal circle of writer friends, were there people in your life like your husband or friends or colleagues that you kind of ran by? You know, hey, I'm thinking about putting this in the volume. What do you think of that? or was it more just this is what this is you going back and looking at your work and deciding what you want to put in?
1: Yes, yeah, so I did have the whole collection read by one friend who I, I think appreciates poetry and and has kind of a similar way of looking at the world to me. so I, I really appreciated her feedback and then my husband as well. I think mm-hmm. I' sort of he's sort of learned about poetry through me over the sure. years. And so it's, it's been really fun to, to go through that process with him. We would, um, sometime we would read a poetry book together and he would read a poem and I'd be like, okay, what do you think that means? He's like, well, it's about horses. And I'm like, no, it's not about horses. <laughs> so he would talk about what it actually meant and you know, what my reading of it was. And I think over the years, he's really started to be able to analyze poetry and and take it for more than just the face value of the words. And that's something I definitely learned to do throughout high school and college. And it's, I think it definitely comes naturally to some people, but it's not, I think poetry is something anyone can learn. And ultimately, if you pick up a poetry book and you read a poem and it makes you feel something, then that's, that's what you start with. Why did it make me feel this way? How did it make me feel? And that's really all you need to know about analyzing a poem. But the other thing is if you read a poem and it doesn't make you feel anything, maybe it's just not a good fit for you. And that's, that's totally cool too. So um, yeah, I, I think that's, that's how it went about and those are the people I, I used as soundboards, and and then also yourself I mean you were a huge push in this and a huge help and you gave me a lot of inspiration from having helped you work with your books and and get those published and so just going through the whole publishing process and KVP and and all of that was definitely you were my sounding board for all those questions.
0: Well, you're a brilliant editor, and so I need to give you a shout out for that. Your your editing skills, just even back from grad school or, or bar none among some of the best that I've ever seen. So I, I wanna ask you um, in terms of, how did you get over that hesitation? If you had some hesitation about sharing something so personal, and I've asked people who've written novels about this, because sometimes you're sharing some very uh, intimate things that you're putting down on paper. How did you get over that? How did you get over that and decide, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and share it out on KDP, which means I'm going to release it to the world.
1: Yeah, that was really hard, actually. Um, And there's a reason why the book is called Leap, you know, and a lot of the theme of the book is taking leaps of faith. And one of those biggest leaps was actually putting this out into the world. And you know, it was one of those things that I just felt I needed to do for myself and, and to prove that I could do it. And even if the book didn't sell anything, it, it just meant that I, I was able to do and I was able to figure out the process and it's out there in the world. And I put so much time and energy throughout the years on into these poems that I wanted them memorialized. And I wanted them memorialized more than just like on a USB drive or, you know, printed out in a pamphlet in my in my closet. I wanted it bound and I wanted it kept so really that that focus on memorializing and having it uh, mattered a lot to me and you know the thing that came out of it that I didn't really know would come out of it was that I have two kids and so they were like mommy wrote a book and so like they they think it's so cool and they you know would talk about it and I think their daycare even like printed out the newspaper article and had it like displayed in front of the daycare they that's my And and so like, that was not part of my plan. I didn't know that that would be, you know, but seeing them so proud of me made it also feel necessary. And, you know, I, it is also interesting to see who reacts to it and who doesn't and um, what that means about those people. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, I have no regrets about putting it out there, but it definitely was a, a moment of like letting go and, and, and making a separation of, from, you know, I think of like before Leap Megan and after Leap Megan are probably very different people.
0: Well, and speaking of which, I, the purpose of this series obviously is that writing a book is among one of the top bucket list goals for many people. And we have listeners who may be thinking about doing that. And specifically, let's let's speak to, to people who are interested in, in love poetry. What would you say is your best piece of advice on someone who maybe is thinking about sharing some of their prior work or compiling it, where do you think they should begin?
1: Yes, that's hard. So first of all, start a system of saving all of your poems and keep it organized because that will save you a lot of the time that I had to go through. But the other thing is develop a, a circle around you of people who you trust. Maybe they're other writers, maybe you attend some workshops so that you have someone you can send a poem to to get just as a sounding board. I think that is something I didn't have. And if I were to write another poetry book, I'd really want to develop that and would be crucial, Um, you know, if you have two or three people saying, yes, you've got something here, it's going to be much easier for you to publish it than if, you know, they're saying no. Um, The other thing that I have been working through is with new poetry that's not included in Leap is submitting it to the publishers and, and really trying to build that writer's resume. I will tell you, it is extremely hard, and there are a lot of rejections, and getting an acceptance is just kind of, like, a one in a million shot sort of thing. And so don't let that discourage you. I I definitely see a lot happening on Instagram, which is really interesting where poets are able to publish their thoughts and their feelings and their poems and get feedback from an audience without having to go through all that rejection. And something to note though, is that if you do put something online in any form, you won't be able to get it published in any of those publications. So that's sort of the chicken versus egg issue that I've run into is, you know, right now I'm probably sitting on 20, 30 poems. but I, you know, if I put them online, then I can't submit them for publication. So that's just something to be aware of and to make a decision kind of early on. If you are going to just self-publish, then you can put your stuff online galore. But if you are looking for a traditional publisher to eventually pick up your work, you might want to consider that you can't put it all online yet. So that's just a little bit of what I know about it. But I mean, First things first, just start and just go with your gut with it and keep every poem that you've ever written. Even if you think it's terrible right now, just mm-hmm. keep it because you might return to it years later and realize, wow, I was really on to something. Or, you know what? This is really half of a poem. I know what the other half is. And don't, you know, throw any of that stuff away because it's golden.
0: Oh, that's great advice. Uh, Megan, where can our listeners find you? And remind our listeners the name of your book and share where it's available.
1: Sure. Um, Leap is the name of my book, and it is available on Amazon. And also, if you're local to the Gaithersburg, Maryland area, it is also located at Locally Crafted in Rio, downtown um, Gaithersburg. And you can follow me at Megan Perico Author on Instagram. And yeah, love to hear from you.
0: Awesome. And actually, if you don't mind, just sharing, just maybe in the last minute that we have, I loved how you got your your book into a bookstore because that is something that, as a self published author, can be a little bit of a challenge as opposed to going traditionally published. Can you share a little bit of that story and how that came about?
1: Yes, absolutely. So, I, I love the neighborhood in the area I live in. If you're familiar with Gainsborough, it's a really unique area, and you're my neighbor, neighbor up,
0: else- the, up the highway. So.
1: Yes, exactly. So there are multiple stores here, like boutique type stores that have opened that really like to represent local artists or local makers. And so uh, I did have my book in my big finds for a while, um, but they recently had to move and relocate. And then I heard about Locally Crafted, um, which is a store in Rio that was going to be open, and they had a call for makers. Anyone local to the area who made their own goods could participate and and could submit a form to apply. And so I applied, thinking, you know, they're probably not they're going to discount a poet because I'm not, you know, I'm not making earrings or knitting or, you know, any of the traditional things that they thought of. But the two owners who run it, Stacy and Heather, just blew me up away with how welcoming they were and they just said no you know you're right we didn't think of poetry as being what we were looking for but you are a maker you're a creative person and and you've made something absolutely we want your book in our store so they have been so supportive so supportive of the community of makers in this area and I've just been so lucky to be able to participate in locally crafted. And, you know, it's just the best place. If you have it, if you need a gift, go to locally crafted, they have everything. And it's all really well done and handmade and just really high quality. So, um, yeah, they, my books there, I have bookmarks there as well. Um, and I I love
0: how that came about the bookmarks because that was just a spinoff product. That was just, that was purely unintentional. That ended up being also, part of the, uh, the, the line that they carry there.
1: Yeah. So as part of being part of locally crafted, I, I realized that all the makers are really able to produce a lot of items. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if they, if they have a print that they painted, they, they don't only have the print of the paint. They also put it on a canvas tote or they have it on a sweatshirt or whatever it is. And it's really, really smart because it reaches a broader audience. And the problem I kept having when I was trying to do Instagram for my book was like, How many times can I show a picture of my book? Mm -hmm. or show a picture of a page of my book. And it just starts to get boring. And so, uh, you know, I would really recommend to poets think about branching out. And, you know, if you have a great one-liner to put that on a t-shirt or a pillow or something. And one of the things that came out of this was they wanted to do goodie bags for the grand opening of Locally Crafted and ask the makers to provide something in it. And I was like, well, I can't give away a whole book. That's my one product. Right. So what I came up with was putting the title poem on a bookmark with the artwork on um, the front side of the bookmark, the poem on the back and bought some tassels and added those in and got them printed up. And it's a very low cost thing. And we included them in the gift bags, but then um, I think it was Stacy said, you know, you could sell these too. So uh, I, I was like, okay, I've got a hundred of <laughs> them. Great. So let's go ahead and do that. So definitely if if you're looking for ways to kind of expand how you can apply your product or whatever you've created that's be, walk into a store like that and look around and you'll see all the different ways these these people come up with and they're very creative so yeah.
0: also great takeaway on how to extend extend your your reach uh, yeah, with local bookstores. I think that is really great. Megan, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your super busy schedule to join me today to talk about your writing journey and to be a part of this series. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Sean. As always, it's such a pleasure.
0: Absolutely. And uh, Moving Forward listeners, the write-up will be at bemovingforward.com. I'll be back next week as we continue this series. You can find the write-up for today's episode at bemovingforward.com. The views expressed by any featured guests are not necessarily those of the host, the program, or affiliates. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and BeMovingForward.com, all rights reserved.